Exploring the unique communities and neighborhoods of San Diego, this is City Stories. City Stories is produced by the students of San Diego City College in cooperation with KSDS Jazz 88.3. Welcome to City Stories, I'm John Fink. One of the oldest districts of San Diego, Golden Hill has a rich past and great potential future. Golden Hill got its name from the rare earth minerals in the window glass of its houses. As the setting sun over Point Loma and San Diego Bay shined on those windows, the reflection was a deep, rich golden color. This inspired Daniel Schuyler to publish a poem in 1887. As the sun rolls down and is lost to sight, Tinting the scene with its golden light, the islands dim and the fading shore, the ebbing tide through our harbor door, the drooping sails of an anchoring fleet, the shadowy city at our feet. With the mountain's proud peaks so lofty and still, tis a picture worth seeing from Golden Hill. Golden Hill Park was the earliest developed area of Balboa Park. In the intervening decades, it's seen some decline, but also a recent revival led by park officials and residents alike. City Stories reporter Jeff Smith takes a closer look at this movement. At the southernmost edge of Balboa Park's 1,200 acres sits the community park of Golden Hill, once the greenest, most admired area of what was known as City Park prior to the Panama-California Expo in 1915. Lighthearted ranger Kim Duclos has been leading tours of the park for nearly two decades in his Canadian Mountie-like hat. San Diegans who have some of the nicest weather in the world complain about it more than just about any people. Ideas and lifestyles and all that kind of wash in and out like tied into the park and I think it's a wonderful sort of sharing that's gone on for well over a century. In the early days of the park, the city was slow in developing it, so the people of Golden Hill made grand gestures to improve their section. Ranger Kim. Matt Heller and, and his group of largely residents of Golden Hill decided, well, we, we will make some improvements. And at one point there was, I believe, an aviary there that they had constructed. They had several, like a band shell and gazebo. Nursing student Jenny Burns makes good use of her extended backyard. My fiancé and I always do our evening walk around the loop that's right there. It's a half-mile loop. And then I run, and so I go down into the Florida canyons. In the evenings, if you come like around 5.30ish, everybody's in the park walking or having a picnic or they're walking their dog. Or How to keep it wholesome? Ranger Kim. There are homeless issues. There are people with drug issues. Those, those are throughout all of our park system, and it's not any different in Golden Hill Park. There are issues. So we have areas that need good quality activities. If we built a community garden, if nothing else, we'd have more eyes and ears to kind of keep things under control. And so they did. The Golden Hill Community Garden has a two-year waiting list for the 29 plots. Garden Chairman Eric Platt. It's great because I'll be there and people will walk by the fence and they'll say, you know, oh, pretty garden or thank you for your service. <laughs> you know, I guess for creating this beautiful spot. Nature abounds there and that doesn't include just birds and butterflies. Jenny. The coyotes are here. so. You should not have a little cat or a dog outside around here. They, they tend to come up. Um, there's tons of rabbits and squirrels. Scavenging dresser drawers from an alley, Eric fashioned raised vegetable beds and designed a solar-powered electric fence to protect his plot from critters. A cyclone fence surrounds the entire garden, creating a safe perimeter. 
There were a lot of homeless and alcohol drinking people that were kind of edgy that were hanging out there a lot, apparently. But the uh, park rangers became aware of it and started moving them out. Yeah, for a while it was kind of like, gee, I'm glad I'm in here in the garden and not (laughs) out there. Personally, I never really had any problem with it. Ranger Kim has a somewhat unexpected take on the homeless people in Golden Hill Park. Not only do they have every right to be here, it's sort of the only saving grace in any part of their day. For those of us that have the means and ability to have a home to reside in, to afford tickets to go to an expensive dinner or a play, this is a great place to come to. But for some people, this is like their last safe refuge, the only place that they might feel they're not going to be on the mean streets of downtown. So it probably is life-giving for some of the people that we most want to shun from the park and probably sometimes think shouldn't even be here. I, if you really think about it, though, it is very important to them as well. Mike Paquin uses a cane to support himself after breaking his back. The homeless people up there help each other out, cook for each other every afternoon and share with each other, and it's like a little community. I was homeless for a while, and I used to go up to Golden Hills Park. I never had any problems up there with the police or anybody. Mike's friend, known only as Kenny, always dresses in black and can be found most days under his favorite tree. It's peaceful, relaxing, invigorating. It beats going downtown and being out there seen as as urban blight. One Saturday a year, Matt Cowell of New Belgium Brewing transforms this normally sedate green space into a zany carnival, complete with costumes and a bike parade to support local cyclists. I think it's a beautiful park. Um, What are the name of those great trees that are up there that look like they came out of a Dr. Seuss book? Bunya Bunya. I like the the way the the roads sort of meander up the sides of the hills and those great canyons. That's where I'd want to live. If I lived here, it would be in in that neighborhood there. Modern-day Golden Hillers see that green spaces go beyond playgrounds and picnics. They allow for views and for chance meetings. They provide spaces to grow your own food and can even welcome in friendly outsiders to host a citywide party every now and then. For City Stories, I'm Jeff Smith. Tour de Fat comes to Golden Hill Park every year. Search events at newbelgium.com for more info. And to start growing your own veggies there, get on the waiting list at goldenhillcommunitygarden.org. Golden Hill is home to 90% of the residential care and treatment facilities in the city of San Diego. Maybe that shapes Golden Hill's attitude and hope for the future. Shakti Rising carries that energy by empowering women to grow beyond living conditions involving drugs or domestic abuse. Sally Tinker Smith explores how this organization works wonders for families all over San Diego. When founder Shannon Thompson made a commitment to never turn away a young person in need, the Shakti Rising Transformational Recovery Program was born. Graduate Michelle Plata has come back to Golden Hill and now rents a cottage on the grounds. Well, there are, there are actually many paths into the apprenticeship program. There are, you know, the women who have hit bottom and really are coming in because they have to do something or things are going to get even worse. You know, I mean, there are people who have to do this or they will die. There are also women who come in completely unaware of their need to do personal transformation work. They come in as a volunteer or they come in to take a class. Sarah Karpikas lived in the house for four years and now works there. I really feel that I came to the doors of this house a shadow of myself through 
um, several years of being in emotionally and sexually abusive relationships, as well as working with um, an eating disorder and just an overall lack of vitality. I, I felt like I was dead. Classes are designed to reconnect people with their own creative energy. Tess Meisner heads up the education program. What it means for our Shakti to rise is that basically we are so full of goodness and joy and um, just the sense of abundance and possibility that our Shakti, our creative life force, rises inside of us and it overflows. And that overflow uh, is really what enables us to create change in our communities and our families and the world. The three-story Tudor-style sunshine house was built in 1906 by a merchant sailor to give his family a view of the bay so they could see his ship coming in. Before Shakti took up residence in 2005, the house had experienced its own interesting journey. Operations Director Janice Sue. In the 70s, it was a, a co-op, a grocery co-op for the neighborhood. And in the early 80s, it was one of the first domestic violence legal clinics for women. When we took it over, actually, it was the distribution site for a porn ring and a meth lab. And so I've heard many stories that we did transformation on the house itself. Tess. You know, this isn't a lockdown facility. As you look around the home, it, it very much is a home. It's got a front door that you can open up and walk out of. And so the women that are here really need to want to be here. Every day they have to choose to stay and to be here. And it's not easy work. Sarah. Living in the house is the fast track of our program. Um, so it's not just healing that happens, say, in a class or a group. It's with your roommates and in the bathroom and in the kitchen and in the hallway. Michelle. I'm feeling hurt and she's feeling hurt and I'm crying and she's crying and, you know, I thought we were going to be friends, but this is really hard and, like, I just don't want to talk about this. And we're having this, you know, sort of big deal conversation. And then this girl just walks by, like, sweeping, like it's no big deal, and she doesn't even look up. And I just had this moment of, like, wow, it's not going to end the world to be emotional. Volunteer Nicole Martinez teaches about plants and herbs for healing. She remembers one woman's awakening. You know, while everybody was kind of getting dinner ready, I just took a quick walk outside and I gathered up a bundle of some fragrant herbs like rosemary and lavender and I put them into like a little bouquet and I set them right in front of her so that she would just have something to smell, to like feel like she was a part of things. Well, this woman now runs her own herb company for children. That's the power of, of being able to connect with these plants, to be, to be able to connect with other women in this way, to be able to share and feel safe, to break down, and that you're going to be nurtured through that process. You'll come back stronger than you were before. The women work mostly outside the home during the day, taking classes in the evening. They clean, cook, and dig in the dirt together. Jerry Lewis designed the vegetable garden. So we grew all our own plants from seeds. We had an area over there on the other side where we planted. And then we planted the root vegetables all in here. And then later on, we put in that tangerine tree, which does really well. The Shakti tribe includes helpers like Jerry and Nicole, generous donors. And for the wellness classes, the door is open to everyone. Nicole. Shakti Rising is, is for every woman. It's not just for um, a woman from the streets or you know, a woman in, in a drug rehab program. It's for every woman, including you know, grandmothers and mothers and sisters. 
And, um, you know, they've always made that very clear that it's, it's a community organization. It's for everybody to be a part of, even men. And, and they always say, you know, it seems like we're just this big feminist organization, but men are, men are welcome, men are loved, and men are wanted. For City Stories, I'm Sally Tinker-Smith. To learn more about the Golden Hill Residential Program and a variety of wisdom classes in San Diego, the Bay Area, New Mexico, and Kauai, visit ShaktiRising.org. So many different types of people live in Golden Hill, it's amazing to have a place where they can all come together to have a meal, enjoy a drink, and hear some great music. The Turf Supper Club is just that place. Andrea Arroyo tells us just what it is about the turf that symbolizes the spirit of Golden Hill. During the day, it may appear dark and old, but at night, when the neon lights come on, the Turf Supper Club continues to serve as a warm gathering location for the Golden Hill community. Perched on 25th Street between B and C, this classical dining bar has been embracing the unique diversity of Golden Hill's culture since the 1950s. Customers from all over come to socialize while grilling their own delicious steaks and enjoying a refreshing cocktail. John Stamatopoulos is the current owner of the turf. This building went up right after World War II, and shortly thereafter, it became a cocktail lounge. And it was uh, Louis, whose nickname was Curly, Louis and Adele Krauss. And they made this place famous back in the day, the 50s and the 60s, up through a portion of the 70s when they turned it over to their son Richard. Bartender and local musician Jackson Milgayton. It originally served as was sort of a midway point between the Del Mar racetrack and the Agua Caliente racetrack and TJ. And a lot of the off-track betting would go on here. And guys who were going from one track to the other uh, would stop here and have a drink and have a steak. Although many years have passed, there are still longtime regulars. Former president of the Golden Hill CDC, Paul Broadway, is one of them. Yeah, I was about 20 years old when I started coming in here. Look at the pretty girls out town, hang out and stuff. When things got boring, we'd jump on a number two bus and we'd come up here and drink beers here at the Turf Club because it was convenient and we knew we were, we were welcome here. One of those pretty girls that Paul brought into the Turf Club is now his wife, Marsha Broadway. From the first time I came in, it was, it was just amazing. It, it does feel womb-like and very comforting and always had a good time here. It's in Golden Hill for a reason, Paul. It's like a, a direct representation of what our neighborhood is here because we really do have the coolest neighborhood and no one knows about it, which is even cooler. The inviting atmosphere draws the locals and people from outlying areas too. Jackson. I mean, you get everything from guys coming from party boys, coming from PB, to uh, you know fraternity brothers and sorority sisters coming from like college area, to uh, industry people that live in the neighborhood, to uh, yuppies that live in South Park. Even older out-of-towners feel at home. Owner John. The, one of the happiest stories I, I can come up with is when I get a hipster coming in here and they have family coming in from out of town. They're bringing either their parents or their grandparents in here. Come in and they're thinking, oh my God, this place is awesome. What is it that makes people feel at home? Jackson. It's charming and it's nostalgic and there's not a ton of other places in the city or even in 
the state for that matter, or really the country, I suppose, but certainly on the West Coast, that have this kind of feel to it. Every gathering needs music. Jackson. The jukebox is a pretty eclectic mix, and for the most part, there's a lot of classic rock on there. There's pretty much a little bit of everything. Paul knows a secret about the jukebox. You pull up these CDs that are like compilation albums. Those are done by the employees of the turf club. The boss lets them make a compilation of what they want to hear. I think that's really cool. The restaurant has made a lasting impression on its customers. Marsha. The employees are incredible. Every one of them does something creative, something else, and they're all really extraordinary, wonderful, talented people. Jackson gets a bird's eye view from the bar. Well, I think the beauty of this place is that it's kind of something different to everyone. It's a place of significance to Paul. It's, it's a Golden Hill um, landmark. It's also part of the 25th Street business corridor. You can have a seriously good time on 25th Street. And there is no argument for Marsha. Um, people talk to each other and say, good night, nice meeting you. You know, it's the kind of place it is. High-backed leather seats and the sizzle of the self-grilled meat, along with music from an old-school jukebox, makes for a unique throwback dining experience that can only be found in Golden Hill's very own Turf Supper Club. For City Stories, I'm Andrea Arroyo. The Turf Supper Club has that rare distinction of starting off cool and continuing its coolness today. Divisions of demographics are left at the door as all are welcome, and all have a good time there. To learn more about the turf, check out turfsupperclub.com. Visitors to Golden Hill notice a lot of historic houses intermingled with buildings of modern design. This is creating a mixed reaction for the residents as the urban renewal is repairing sidewalks and reducing crime levels, but also raising rents and reducing diversity. Both sides have valid points, and I found out why the respectful debate is a great way to effectively shape Golden Hill's future. Golden Hill has a history of change, mirroring its transitioning demography and the influence of investment. Over time, the neighborhood has come to reflect the imprint of multiple time periods, cultures, and economic backgrounds. Mike Burnett is the head architect of the two most modern buildings in Golden Hill, the MXD830 building and the newest space, a building called You Are Here. Both are a study of clean lines and geometric shapes. They both stand out and blend into the melange of structures on the main strip of 25th Street. 25th Street is really diverse and is awesome. It's got very interesting, eclectic, Every period of architecture is represented almost on 25th. You know, it's kind of a, it really shows kind of the history of you know, the last hundred years as it's, what's, what's evolved up on the hill. This appreciation led to Mike carefully taking into account the existing community when planning his two buildings. The mass and bulk of the building is really focused on the you know, kind of street and freeway side. Uh, we tried to break down the mass and bulk towards the residential side. Um, so hence you see the flat roofs on the front, the pitched roofs in the back, and kind of mixed up the textures and stuff a little bit. Bob Surratt was born in Golden Hill in 1978 and lived there until recently. He saw the old 99-cent store change hands a few times before it became a boutique pizza shop, Luigi's. In fact, he grew up with change. If you went to 26th and B Street in 89, there was a Circle K there. If you go there now, 
it's like some like you know progressive architecture structure it almost looks like um cameron's house from ferris bueller's day off he saw a change in the people too once upon a time it was like mexican ladies raising their families you know mexican families there's something warm about that now it's just a little little colder than that i think for bob the changes he saw signified a loss. We have this little secret, and we've had it for so many years. Now all of a sudden everybody knows about it, and everybody wants a part of it. Bob wanted to stay living in the area, but with a new family, he couldn't afford it. Being an accomplished musician and part of a hip-hop group, he wrote a song about leaving Golden Hill. Like I said, I can't front on the fact that it's becoming a nice place, but I also miss the fact that you know it was once a family neighborhood. Bob isn't the only one concerned about where the neighborhood is heading. Paul Broadway. So, gentrification. God, I go up to Doris Park and I see no parking and um, a preponderance of white people. I'm hoping that as it gets gentrified that the uh, Chaldean owners and the Mexican owners and the black owners and the, the Ethiopian owners of businesses up here can hold on to their businesses as the rents rise from gentrification. That scares me most about gentrification is it'll change the flavor of the neighborhood. Architect Mike has a different feeling about gentrification. So much so that his You Are Here creation is built with the previous structure, an old Texaco gas station, repurposed into the center of the building. To say that there's going to be a sort of gentrification, oh my gosh, using that word, um, but it's almost going to be impossible to have a Little Italy effect up in Golden Hill because it is more historic, there are more small properties, and it's not as... as easy to just demo through and make big projects happen in Golden Hill or especially along 25th. And instead of just kind of tearing out the old as the history of 25th has been, you know, they ripped out beautiful homes that were on the hill here to put the Shell gas station in, to put the Texaco station in. The reality of the situation is that even those priced out of the area can appreciate some of those changes. Musician Bob. So I can't hate on the fact that it's not a slum anymore. I can't hate on the fact that it's not poor. You know, when you see like Victorian mini mansions being remodeled, you know, that's a good thing. That's a good thing. That's This is part of our town. So looking forward, what does the future hold for Golden Hill? I don't know. You know, there's going to be less and less taco shops. There's going to be more and more boutique restaurants. I, ho I hope it settles down. I don't know, man. I, I, I want to see what happens to Golden Hill. Maybe one day if I ever become rich, I'll buy a house in Golden Hill and I'll live there. You know, I'd love it. Knowing where to draw the line between improving the neighborhood and keeping it affordable for those who already live there is, at best, an imprecise art. For City Stories, I'm John Fink. The You Are Here building is a great example of the new generation of city improvements that honor the past while moving forward. To get involved with moving Golden Hill forward, check out goldenhillcdc.org. Among all the memorable personalities in Golden Hill, some stand out more than others. One person, Judy the Beauty on Duty, is the self-proclaimed mayor of Golden Hill. 
Her list of accomplishments is long, and Morgan Craig finds out just how open and indispensable Judy is. Ask anyone in Golden Hill about the lady who runs the Big Kitchen Cafe. They'll tell you that Judy Foreman is on a mission to help those in need. When people are having rough times, they gravitate to the cafe and find Judy's arms wide open. Her neighbors think fondly of her and don't mind saying so. Words like joy and treasure come up often. Brianna Bassett worked at the Big Kitchen and considers herself an old friend. If you went in there and you're like, I'm hungry, I have no money, she's like, get whatever you want. Feed yourself, like, come back when you need something. She's a savior. She's a wonderful person. Brianna's not the only former employee who admires Judy, Jonathan Williams. Judy's always been uh, kind of a, an oasis for people to go and, and, and have a good time, even if right around the block wasn't that nice or their home life wasn't that nice. She's always been a very strong supporter of people. Judy's cousin, Sandy Weiner, sees something deeper than just business in the restaurant. You know, when she started here, it was not <laughs> South Park. It was Golden Hill. It was a very rough neighborhood. But it was also filled with, um, you know, writers and artists, and it was really um, a very different kind of community. And she really, it was a gathering place for all those people. Fern Street Circus started out of here. Um, I think Mama's Kitchen, all the AIDS programs. She was a real mover and shaker to make that all happen. And most of those programs started here where she was going out and feeding um, people that she knew who were dying. so it's, it's just not about food. It's never been about making money. It's really been about serving people. Judy's bubbly, upbeat essence captures people with her ready smile and positive attitude. She is virtually a one-woman, gray-haired, tour de force in Golden Hill. Born and raised in New York, Judy came to San Diego in the late 70s on vacation and discovered the big kitchen through a friend. Intrigued, she approached the owner with an unusual proposition. And I offered my services. I said, I need to know people. I'm not finding jobs. And, and I'd like to volunteer as a dishwasher because uh, that way I can meet people. Three months later, my dad and I purchased the big kitchen. And I was very young, young. I was 32 years old and thought I knew everything. And I knew nothing. It was a great humbling experience to start my own business. But within the first three years, I made every mistake possible. And here I am at uh, 33 years. The rough-and-tumble atmosphere of the neighborhood inspired one of Judy's first important goals. But one of the things I really wanted the restaurant to be was a safe place for women to come alone. In my life, I was born in 1947. I am 66 and three-quarters years old. And in my life, it hasn't always been comfortable for me to go alone. But now... uh, A lot of women come here alone, and I'm always thrilled when they do because they're safe, they're comfortable, no one treats them inappropriately, and they're empowered. Judy used to be a social worker, a job that taught her to keep an open mind and treat everyone with respect and kindness. Early on, she built bonds in the LGBT community, and she has never lost her passion for them. I got to live and die with a whole lot of wonderful human beings. And they're still here. You know, the spirits in this restaurant are huge. So many, so many. But, um, you know, they, they're, they're martyrs. Uh, Ronald Reagan, he did not recognize the crisis until his wife's hairdresser and Rock Hudson died. And then all of a sudden, he was interested. Well, you know what? It was a little late. 
we'd lost. We'd lost thousands of people. But when those wonderful human beings died, every family realized that there was a gay person somewhere <laughs> in their family. And it changed, it changed the world, it changed the outlook. And an activist sprouted up and, oh my gosh, equality, you know, was a word again. And um, I got to be a big part of it. And I feel very honored and blessed that the goddess put me in that position. But it was a very, very difficult time. Judy's Big Kitchen has made a bigger difference in the Golden Hill community. From feeding the hungry to hiring folks in need, her arms are open to everyone, regardless of race, gender, or sexual orientation. Maybe that's why they call her the unofficial mayor of Golden Hill. Enjoy life, help others, and be kind to one another. That's how Judy rolls. For City Stories, I'm Morgan Craig. To experience Judy's healing up close, sit down and have a meal at the Big Kitchen on Grape Street between 30th and Fern. Golden Hill is a thriving community of artists, families, and people who care passionately about their neighborhood. That passion and do-it-yourself attitude has created a culture that extends beyond a democracy. As Paul Broadway puts it, it's a duocracy. For City Stories reporters Jeff Smith, Sally Tinker Smith, Andre Arroyo, and Morgan Craig, I'm John Fink. You've been listening to City Stories, produced by the students of Radio TV 141 at San Diego City College for KSDS Jazz 88.3. If you'd like to contribute to City Stories, send an email to citystories at jazz88.org. Mm-hmm.